It's Monday. You know what that means? Monday is not what it used to be. It used to be that Monday was a time when, oh, we had to go back to work. The weekend was over. It was the Monday blues. It was the pits. No, 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 no. Not anymore. Not ever, really. Monday is a time when you don't have to go back to work. You get to go back to work. You get to be a productive person in this society. You get to live out your vocation and serve your neighbor with the skills and the talents God has given you to do so. You get to do that starting on Monday. And, and you get to listen to Cross Defense. <laughs> it's Cross Defense time, <laughs> my people. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Tyrell Bramwell, the admissions counselor here, the newest, I should say, admissions counselor here at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, broadcasting worldwide from the Welcome Center at Winnikin Hall here on campus. And today we're going to talk about religion. That, that, that pesky word. It's a little bit it's a little bit of an interesting word these days. Maybe you've maybe you've heard something like um, Jesus wasn't religious or the notion that you know Jesus bucked the religious establishment of his day as if that was a prescription for us to do the same thing as, as if as if all religion is bad. It's something we have to resist and fight against the the, the man, the establishment. Or maybe this, maybe Christianity is about relationship, not religion. Or even more popular, I'm spiritual, not religious. Today's topic is religion, and to talk about it, we are joined by the Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz. He is Assistant Professor of Exegetical Theology here at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Adam, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm jazzed for cross defense. I love Mondays now. Uh, you know, I, I wish I could say I always I loved that, yeah. Mondays, but uh, <laughs> it's even more fun to do it um, now that we got this cross defense thing going. Hey, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join us and to talk about religion. Let's let's get just kind of get the ball rolling. What are we talking about? When we talk about this term, religion, help us sort of get our foundation and our bearing. Well, it's not a word that every language has. So okay. the kind of natural categories that people have who grew up speaking English and saying the word religion are not don't necessarily exist in other languages. So um, other languages might say something that means something more like judgment um, or practice um, and even the word, which is originally from Latin in Latin might have meant, um, specific, uh, sacrifices that need to be offered if you're just kind of a normal person. So, um, when we think about religion, we, we probably don't think about something that's like simple or normal or every day for pretty much anybody. But I think for most people throughout most of human history, that's what the thing that we call religion was all the examples that you used just now were mostly negative, and that's that's kind of normal in modern America to think of religion that way. Especially, I don't really know why Christians do this because I don't, it has never sounded believable to me, but they'll try to contrast Jesus and religion and say that they or their church or their church body is about Jesus but not about religion. Uh, I, I've seen it done a lot of times. I, it's, it's kind of a marketing technique. I think it's probably goes along with certain, you know, levels of skinny gene, um, <laughs> you know, um, penetration in the pastoral market. Um, you know, just, 
if you have enough a certain percentage of your pastors in skinny jeans at any given Sunday morning, you're going to end up hating the word religion. Um, since Lutherans are generally wearing a lot more than skinny jeans uh, as pastors, we have even less reason than anyone else to say, hey, look, it's it's just about Jesus and about being cool with Jesus. It's not about religion, right? Because we look like and should not be ashamed of looking like a religion. You know, yeah, I actually grew up hearing that. Just give me Jesus. I want nothing but Jesus, only Jesus, none of none of the religious stuff. And what, what do people mean when they say that? When they say, I, I don't want the religion, just yeah. Jesus. Yeah. What is yeah. the common I, thought? There, there's something something that is commendable in that, in that they're saying that Christianity and Christian preaching should be about who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. That's Amen. totally fine. Yep. However, what they probably also mean is a sort of um, unexpressed desire not to have to deal with other people or institutions uh, like the church. And the problem is that Jesus is married. So if you know Jesus, you end up knowing his bride, the church. You can't really get one without the other, right? Any more than if, you know, if you know a married man, but you've never, ever, ever met his wife, either your relationship with him is completely a business relationship. He sells you, you know, a certain amount of lead pipe that you use for your company. Well, probably not lead, maybe steel. <laughs> Lead's not so good these days, but um it's either a purely business relationship or if you don't know his wife and it's not a business relationship, you don't really know him. Wow. So when you're talking about relationship with Jesus, I'm not totally against that, even though I think usually it just ends up in a certain hazy laziness. But the idea that you have a relationship with Jesus, but not with his church is just unbiblical. When people are against religion, they seem to me, from my experience in the parish, to be against liturgy against trappings, yeah. against what they see yeah. as bells and whistles, or or, right. or even against dogma, against rules right. and, and, yeah. and doctrine and things like that you know, they would, right. would say. Uh, I love what you just said there about, I, I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way, that if you don't know his bride, and that's where you see the trappings, right? That's where you see the right. liturgy. That's where you yeah. see these things. Right. And, th right. That, and go ahead. Yeah. Well, his, I mean, his when they think of things like liturgy or vestments or Christian art or music as trappings, they don't really understand what is going on in the relationship, not between them individually and Jesus individually, but between Jesus individually and the church collectively. Mm -hmm. And that is that he is adorning his bride, that his bride's beauty, the beauty of the architecture, the beauty of the music, the beauty of the art, the beauty of the preaching, all of that that splendor of holiness, what the Psalms say, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, is all because of who he is. She looks beautiful because she loves him and she knows that he's really there, which is why generally the less that a church believes in Jesus's physical presence in Holy Communion or anything else, the less splendid she will appear. Um, so th they're not trappings as if I said, hey, um, if you want to, you know, if we're going to have this conversation, I want you to call me Reverend Dr. Adam Clinton Coons every time you talk to me. Like that would be kind of pretentious and a trapping. <laughs> you know, you can call me Adam or worse, <laughs> right? right? But, um, you know, like that's a trapping. A trapping is when it doesn't need to be there. Right. Uh, heaven forbid that we should think that the presence of Jesus does not 
is not worth looking and doing our absolute best in every single service. So I think again, it's it's you know it's like okay, Christianity has pretty much always had those quote trappings. The question you have to ask yourself is why, and yeah. the why is because of Jesus. Yeah. So okay, what are we talking about? Just in summary, just to kind of clarify it for the listener, and then we're going to move on to a further question. What are we talking about when we talk about religion? We're talking about that relationship that Jesus and his church have, and we as the members of the church therefore have with him. And I think the problem is that most people, when they think about religion, cut out the fact that Jesus is married to his church, and therefore they mix up the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Messing up the entire thing, thinking of Jesus, it's, it's funny because when you think of the, the skinny jean pastor um, and and the the opposite, I suppose, the, the non-skinny jean pastor, and you're going to find like sort of the evangelical camp and the Lutheran camp to yeah. use two categories that are fairly familiar with most of us, I suppose. Uh, yeah. The, the one person says, I want Jesus, nothing but Jesus, just give me Jesus. And what they mean is I don't want any of uh, his his adorning of the bride, as you put it, yeah. where the other one says, I want Jesus and only Jesus, nothing but Jesus. Therefore I need the bride and all of the adorning that goes with it, because that is how I get right. nothing but Jesus. How, yeah. how does this real quick? And before, and then we're going to get back on a specific task here, but how does the, the bride and all the things that go with the, the church and what we think of as religion, and when we think of it in a negative way as modern Americans, how does that actually give us Jesus and only Jesus and protect us from false teaching and, and the open door that comes with the skinny jean pastor? Right, right, right. Um, I think that because it forces you, first of all, if you think of the fact that you're part of something much bigger and older that will go on much, lo- much, much longer than, than you will on this earth, that creates a certain humility, both in what you think, doctrine, and in how you live and relate to Christ, which includes both your life and the liturgy, that is not there when you're thinking, hey, if this is really Christianity, it's just about Jesus and me. Because when I think about doctrine, I realize I'm not the first to profess it, so originality is completely overrated. And when I think about life and liturgy, I'm not the first to try to do this. So coming up with my own rules or getting them, you know, kind of psychologically ginning them up between me and Jesus and not listening to anyone else and worshiping however I want to, whenever and wherever I want to, not with his church, all of that, there is a pride at the bottom of that. And I think when we think about sin in the church, the stuff that people notice are generally sins of the flesh. This guy... Uh, wrecked his life through gambling. This woman wrecked her life through adultery. Those are easy to notice. The sins of pride can exist easily inside a pulpit for 40 years. And I think it's primarily a sin of pride when we think of ourselves in relationship to Jesus without being part of his church and without his church being so much more than me. So, Pastor Kuntz, Reverend Dr. Adam Clinton Kuntz, <laughs> assistant professor yeah, of exegetical theology. Yeah, right, right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual. Yeah. I'm not religious. I, I'm hearing what you're saying, but right. you know, I'm spiritual, not religious. What do you say? Right, 
how do you deal with that I, kind of a, i'm saying that your your spirit needs to exist with other people there's no way for that spirit which i'm not going to deny that you're spiritual you're a human being of course you are um that spirit needs to exist in communion not only with god through christ but also with all the people who also belong to christ and if you want to be spiritual without the church you are deciding that somehow you're going to be able to make it in uh, religious lockdown for the rest of your life. You're never going to see anybody. Uh, you don't even get to see them wearing a mask, let alone face to face. You don't get any of that. Uh, to be spiritual without being religious is to put yourself in uh, enforced isolation. What, what about and the so, people? And, yeah. you know, as Americans, we're we're typically independent, right? That's part of a, you know, one of the attributes of an American is this this uh, lone ranger kind of cowboy, independent. I can yeah. do things myself. I, I like what you just what you just sold me. I, I, I want to be by myself. I don't want to be in a relationship <laughs> right. with anybody. I don't want to be in a community with other people. I'm I'm really digging <laughs> this social distancing thing. It's my cup of tea. <laughs> How do we deal with that? Yeah, this is this is hitting home because, you know, I, I really don't like masks, but social distancing, <laughs> it was very comfortable for me just as a person. Uh, but what I'm telling you is I recognize that as ultimately a failing of mine uh, that I don't understand enough, naturally at least, how much other people are necessary, whether we're talking family or friends or fellow church members. So I think I think that um, when you're thinking about, okay, well, what is typically American, some of that is good and some of that is bad, like any nation. And one of the things that's probably bad is the idea that if I just move farther away from other people, whether practically kind of in my daily schedule or geographically, so, you know, Iowa's getting too full, so I'm going to go to South Dakota, South Dakota's too full, I'm going to go to California, um, you can't finally run away from your own sins and the fact that the remedy for that sin is actually inside the church with those other people. There's a pride That's issue the there now, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. We're, we're back to that same issue of pride and this idea that I, I can exist by myself. I can, I'm self-sustaining, autonomous right. to myself. I don't need anyone else is the, the myth of all myths, I suppose. Right? I, I mean... Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's related to the promise that the serpent makes to Eve because the fall is not actually a fall downward uh, at first. It is a failed attempt at flight. They're, they're trying to become gods. And if I, if I could become a god, then social distancing would be fine forever because I wouldn't actually need, by my nature, to be with others. But human beings, as God created them, not as they aspire to be, are created to be in communion with him and with each other. And so... Um, Ultimately, pride is always the same thing. It just has as many permutations as there are human beings. It's always an attempt to try to become a god. Excellent stuff. We are talking to the Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz. He is Assistant Professor of Exegetical Theology here at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We're talking about religion on Cross Defense on this wonderful Monday afternoon. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Hi, this is Pastor Apple of Sharper Iron on KFUO. 
On September 14th, we start the section of Proverbs filled with short pieces of wisdom for which the book is famous. An hour isn't enough time to go into each proverb in great detail, but I don't want you to miss something you really want to hear. Let me know what proverb you want to know more about by calling the listener comment line at 314-996-1542 or send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. As the list comes together, I'll share short bonus podcasts to help you sharpen your faith in Christ. You'll find them on kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Thanks for not tuning away during the break. I hope you found out some more interesting things happening here at kfuo.org. All kinds of great programming for your ear holes and your heart blood pumping thing that you know makes it to where you live and feel emotions and stuff. And I know we're conflating what's going on in your chest with what you feel. But hey, I hope you're listening to KFUO is the point of my rambling. That's it. We're talking religion. We're talking religion today, and we're doing it with an excellent teacher, the Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz from Concordia Theological Seminary. He's giving us a, a brief, we're kind of blazing through this. I hope you're keeping up. Uh, Adam just has wonderful information to give us on religion, and he's doing a great job of painting that picture. But before we move forward, I want to kind of back up a little bit. Maybe you don't know about Dr. Kuntz and... Uh, let me give you a little bit of his history or let him do it. Uh, Adam, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I, I know you come from yeah. the Episcopal Church, and uh, yeah. it's a church that's known for its uh, religion, its religiosity, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah. uh, not yeah. to use the word in, in a proper sense, but the, in, the, in the wrong way, right? the trappings, right? Right. Um, so right. tell us a little bit about your journey in, Christian, in, in the Christian religion and yeah. uh, how it relates to what we're talking about today, would you? Yeah. So I, I, I think that um, I, I wasn't I wasn't raised uh, as particularly anything um, sort of culturally Protestant, let's say. Okay. Um, and um, but the Episcopal Church was my was my spiritual home. And then and then eventually, practically, uh, you know, I actually went to church regularly. Um, and uh, the Episcopal Church is interesting because it is to some extent, religion without Jesus in this sense, that uh, the, tr the the trappings uh, are all still there. Uh, the bride is still beautifully adorned, um, but uh, her understanding of who her husband is is uh, not that good. <laughs> and so um, what you get in a service is very great uh, beauty in the traditional liturgy. And I'll explain why I'm so grateful for that, because in the sermon, you might get a sermon about um, uh, why fair housing practices uh, are something we should support politically or w sort of whatever was in the New York Times that week. And so um, I'm grateful for everything that wasn't that because uh, in the service you had preserved uh, Bible reading, uh, beautiful music, uh, beautiful art, and uh, Holy Communion every week. And so um, in the process of becoming a Lutheran, which was caused by a crisis that I had as someone who wanted to become a priest, an Episcopal priest, uh, but knew that that was not possible because I did not believe that women's ordination was biblical, so that I could not be ordained in the Episcopal Church, which is kind of the, the main Anglican church in the United States, uh, that, that'll probably change. But within the Anglican tradition, the Episcopal Church is the largest and by far the most liberal in the United States. Okay. Um, I knew that I could not be ordained. Um, but 
when I was becoming Lutheran, um, I had a lot that I didn't have to change because no one had ever told me, for instance, oh, in Holy Communion, Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, and you kneel to receive Holy Communion. I, I never really thought anything different. I never thought, oh, it's probably not Jesus or, you know, because no one had ever told me otherwise. And the liturgy trained me to behave very reverently toward his body and blood. So I didn't have to change anything when I became a Lutheran. So to, to use your uh, analogy earlier, uh, and analogy is probably even the wrong language. It's, it's probably too uh, literary because it's more real. You said in the first segment that to, you use the example of getting to know a, a man and you might know him as a businessman and only from yeah. your business with him. Or if you, if you know him in a personal way, but you don't know his wife, you don't know his bride, you don't really yeah. know him. Uh, to right. kind of use that picture you painted for us, you got to know the man's bride. I, I did, and through through the bride, I, I I knew the bridegroom. Okay. So when I think when I think about okay, well, like uh, what what made me shift from one church to another? The struggle that a lot of people identify in their lives as I wasn't sure if I was saved or not, and I went back and forth, and I prayed the sinner's prayer this many times, and so that sort of personal uncertainty does not exist inside uh, a church where the bride is still adorned. And I know that sounds strange, and it doesn't mean that the false teaching that I certainly was taught was not serious and evil. It simply means that all the stuff that was still good led me to a great deal of certainty about the Savior because that was still there, yeah. because the bride, at least in, in the trappings, reverenced the bridegroom. Yeah, an example of how the the liturgy, the, the service, how it actually can protect the hearer, the, the worshiper, the, the Christian, from right. the wayward teaching of uh, a false preacher, false prophet, yeah, totally. uh, the, the bad totally. doctrine that's corrupted the entire denomination. Uh, right. Yeah, beautiful picture of that. Thanks for sharing that with us. And this is how you became a Lutheran. And now here you are teaching other right. Lutherans. And, and <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, life is, is strange, you know? Life is strange. It's great. We're, we're all living these amazing adventures. Um, and uh, it's, it's a beauty to be able to, to be a part, just to, just to hear, right? Just to read a, a chapter of your story uh, or to have you read it for us in this case and tell us a little bit about it is, is quite the privilege. So thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's do this then. Um, you talked about the Episcopal Church. And yeah. now we know you're Lutheran, so those are two de denominations. Let's kind of broaden that a little bit. What do religions have in common? We kind of saw a little bit of commonality in these two denominations. Let's take it to that religion level. What do religions yeah. have in common? Like what? So there's there's kind of there's a couple different ways to dice that up okay. because it's sort of like saying, okay, well, what do denominations have in common? They have in common that they generally profess to be Christian, okay, and um, in some way or another, right? And they probably have in common that there's a sort of headquarters, and it's a 501c3 incorporated in this or that state. The Missouri Synod's incorporated in Missouri. The Episcopal Church headquarters is in New York. ELCA headquarters is in Chicago. You know, so there's there's ways in which religions, just like Christian denominations, will resemble one another in how they function. And a lot of people who don't know anything about religion will kind of stop there. It's why a lot of times people's critique of religion is, oh, they just want your money, you know, wow, yeah. or, 
uh, or or you know some some other sort of critique that is easy to gain from say okay the only thing I know about Christianity are TV preachers who literally do ask for my money, right? So they don't really know anything else about different forms of Christianity or what's the difference between Christianity and Hinduism. They don't really know that. So there's a way in which you can say religions will often function the same way. There will be professionals. Money will be needed to support it. There will be sacred buildings. But I think a much more interesting way and certainly theologically more coherent way to think about religion is that what they have in common is that they can teach some version of a lowercase l law. Okay. And that's because human beings, even without knowing Christ, being reborn by water and the spirit, human beings generally know that there is a way that they should be or that things should be, that other people should be. They may have a lot of information about that. They may have a little bit of information about that. They may be right about some of it. They might be wrong about some of it, but they know that there's a gap between what is and what should be. And pretty much anything that calls itself a religion or doesn't, but isn't. Um, I think a lot that goes under the name of spiritual or new age, um, a lot that goes on in Silicon Valley, honestly, is religious um, because it's trying to close this gap. Mm. Um, but uh, all of those things are trying to bridge the gap and they're going to bridge the gap in this way. Uh, here are some things that you need to do or that other people need to do even easier in order to make <laughs> the world or themselves more like how they should be than like how they are. Law. Yeah. They're teaching law. They're trying to close the gap by what you have to do, by what must be right. done, right? Um, right. This makes me think, I've often thought about, I often, as I when I think of denominations, and I come from a background that's sort of a mixed bag of everything under the sun, um, <laughs> and uh, that I landed in the Lutheran world, and I'm the only one in my circle of family and friends from my past that's Lutheran. I kind of think yeah. it's it's uh, poetic that I'm here because kind of right in the middle of a lot of the, the extremes, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think of, you know, on the one camp, you, people might, because of pop culture and their, and their, and our, our lack of connecting point, you know, connective points to what Christianity is, we typically think of the liturgy. We think of Roman Catholic. We see that on TV all the time, stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. We think of mm -hmm. that's a religion. That's a law-based religion. It's uh, the authority, right. the power. It's the thing I want right. to reject. And and it's maybe that's what's in the mind of the listener who's saying, I want Jesus, not that, right? right. I want just Jesus. But then you think of the yeah. other camp, you have the more you know American evangelical church, the, the skinny jeans pastor, as you mentioned, um, and you... Initially, you want to think those two things are as far away from one another as they possibly could be, that they have yep. nothing in common. Yep. Could you help sort that out for the listener? You yeah. just said what religions have in common. What do the, the American evangelical churches out there and the, the very liturgical churches out there like Roman Catholicism or the Episcopal Church? Yeah. Just make make that point clear. What is it that's really in common between those two or those extremes? They don't have in common content. So this is not to say that the evangelical is explicitly teaching the same thing that the Roman Catholic or the Episcopal priest is teaching. They have in common, however, a method. 
Okay. That is, the solution is always a method that depends on putting something into operation. Um, the evangelical uh, markets himself generally towards sort of um, the most generic possible understanding of what he understands to be biblical Christianity. Um, so, you know, that it's going to be the, the method will be phrased in terms of content about, you know, a four week sermon series on how to get sex within your marriage right or get your finances right, because he assumes that talking about sex or money will be popular and he'll get the most people in. Um, the Roman Catholic might have a lot different trappings to what he's saying, but what we're saying is that the method that finally they're offering involves uh, human activated solutions and that that is actually not distinctively Christian, that even if it's called a church and let's say it's a Roman Catholic church, so there might be statues of Jesus on the cross all over the place. Nonetheless, the issue in evaluating religion is not finally about the trappings. That There can be a lot of interesting things, and I like to read about how other religions are practiced and, and see what they're doing. And I taught classes in world religion in graduate school at a public university, and we went to different religious services and saw what they do there. And it was all very interesting. Um, and in a synagogue, I was once offered to read the Torah. I, I refused. Um, that's not really covered in the LCMS handbook, but I figured that would be unionism. So I just stayed in the pew. Um, it's all very interesting, right? Uh, but what finally is similar in all those places is that you get a human activated solution to what's wrong with the world. It's not, I think, hard for human beings to recognize that there's a lot wrong with them and with other people uh, throughout time and space. Uh, but what the religion of the law is finally going to offer, whether it goes under the name of, uh, you know, Hinduism or Islam or some version of Christianity, is it's going to say, look, if you take steps one, two, three, four, and five in this way, um, you're going to fix at least you, if not a bunch of other people, potentially. So um, they have that in common. You have to kind of look past the outward trappings, oh, this looks weird to me, this doesn't look weird to me, and look into what they're actually finally teaching. Yeah, whether it's it's man doing or God doing, right? Right, uh, right. Yeah, because you can get really uh, blind, blinded, blindsided, or, or uh, have a great right. obstacle if you're coming into it with your own presuppositions, your own baggage, right? So case in right. point, yeah, case in point, I wasn't raised in Lutheran church and mm -hmm. my only connection to the liturgy was my dad's Roman Catholic church. And so when mm -hmm. I entered the church, the, the typical sort of, oh, this is, this is Roman Catholicism or, or Roman Catholic light, right? That, the typical kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's only from right. my perception, right? That's only right. from my perspective. If I had right. grown up in the Lutheran church and then I had never had any experience with the Roman Catholic church and then I went over to a Roman Catholic service, I would have said, oh, this is just like Lutheranism. The, the point of reference would have been flipped, right? right? right. Um, so when right. we're looking at just the adornment of the bride, I'd rather use that language than trappings, right? Because yeah. that's such a, mm -hmm. a better way right. to talk about it. Um, when we're looking at the adornment and, you, and you're making your decision <laughs> about whether you're going to go to that church or, or whether they're teaching truth based on just the init your initial perception of the adornment, Right. You're, you're missing the point. You got to get to the meat that is actually yeah. informing the adornment or or used to. And, and like in your case with the Episcopal Church, it had been yeah. sort of 
sucked out with a turkey baster or something like it was just, <laughs> it was there but it, you know the yeah, meat was yeah. gone um, right but yeah okay so what i heard you say and for the sake of the listeners what religions have in common is it is man is what man is doing it's the law to some, to close the gap between us and god is that yeah. right yeah 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 they have some grasp of a law okay and that's going to vary widely by religion right so um islam has a much clearer and generally simpler articulation of their laws than say judaism most forms of judaism or certainly hinduism um, it's a lot clearer if you're Roman Catholic what the rules are than, say, if you're non-denominational, right? right? But there are still some kind of rules. If you're non-denominational, but you say, oh, I believe communion is Jesus' body and blood, or I think babies should be baptized, that's against the rules, mm. right? And so it, this is not to say that all rules or laws are bad, but it is to say that what religions finally have in common is a sense of rules which need to be followed as a solution to the world's and that person's problems. Excellent. Well, we're coming up on our second break. Don't go away. Stick around, faithful cross-defense listener, you lovers of Mondays out there. We're going to be right back with Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz, and we're going to talk more about religion, and we're going to figure out what if, if all these religions out there are based on the law, well, is there a different kind of religion? Or is that all we have to choose from? Is different flavors of man-made, must-do, law-based religions? Or is there an alternative? Don't go away. We'll be right back after this break. Join Christian friends of New Americans for their golf benefit at Greenbrier Hills Country Club, Monday, October 12th. Registration and box lunch at 11 a.m., 18-hole shotgun start at 12 noon. Special price for ladies and church workers. Register at cfna-stl.org slash golf. Not a golfer? Register for our 5 p.m. hospitality hour. Please help us reach out to refugees and immigrants with the good news of Jesus as we help them with English and life skills. Register for golf or a sponsorship. cfna-stl.org slash golf. Gave a little teaser question before we went to the break about, is there anything different? Is there, is there an alternative to all these law-based religions? And, yeah. you know, the, the Christian's going to know there is an answer to that, a positive answer. There is a yes, there is a difference. Uh, but would right. you tell us what that is? What? Yeah, and this is, this is why I'm saying that finally there are only two religions. Okay, so because two there religions. is either. Wait, hold on, hold on. Hold only two. I just heard you say yeah. two. Wait, I, I can <laughs> count right. like, yeah. you know, there's Christianity, there's Judaism, there's Islam. There's right. Hinduism, Buddhism, yeah. there's uh, Zoroastrianism, Jediism. There's, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. what do you mean there's only two? Right. Tell us. Yeah, there are only two because we're not evaluating them according to uh, when did they start? What are their rituals? What's their calendar? What are the main ethnic groups in this religion? This, According to that, there could be an almost infinite number of religions, Um uh, I listened to a podcast series about WeWork, which was this kind of insane Silicon Valley story about inflated uh, values and uh, hot air. Uh, but the guy, the way that the guy that ran that was running WeWork, it was very religious in certain ways. So, mm. yeah, according to the kind of defining things about, well, how much money do they have or where did they come from? 
There could be an infinite number. According to their teaching, there are only two religions. Okay, tell us According more. To their, yeah, there's only the religion of law, which could somehow reflect God's will, doesn't necessarily, but is defined by a method of salvation dependent on human behavior and performance. Then there is the religion of the Bible, which is a religion of gospel, a religion where the solution to what is wrong with each of us and with the world is only what Christ is and has done. And so because he is the God-man and because he has reconciled the world to himself through his death and resurrection, which is the gospel, that is the solution that Christianity offers to the world. So there is a sense in which you could say there's only Christianity and then there's everything else, which is all the same thing, finally, because Christianity uniquely offers not a set of behaviors by which you will be saved, but a piece of good news by which you are saved. Unpack that a little bit. You made the reference from gospel to good news. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Gospel means in its original Old English meaning a good story, a piece of good news. And news is not dependent uh, if it's not fake news. <laughs> news, is, news, if it's real, is not dependent on what I do about it. If I tell you I'm in my study right now, you either believe me or you don't. There's kind of nothing you can do about that. It's either true or it's not. And so when we're talking about, well, what is the heart of Christianity? You say, well, it's the gospel. And we go look at, well, what's going on in Acts as Christianity begins to spread outward, beginning from Jerusalem? Well, they're not going to people and saying, hey, guys, um, here's an action plan. Please buy my book. Uh, I have a $99 online course you can sign up for, and then you're going to be good to go, right? Or if you send money to the Pope, you'll be good to go or whatever religions sell, right? Uh, make sure you get sealed in the temple uh, for time and for eternity, whatever th that religion offers. The apostles are going out into the world and they're saying to people, God has done something in this man, Jesus Christ. It's news, right? So when Christian preachers are preaching, they're not finally preaching uh, in, in, in sort of a conditional sense. Uh, I hope it works out. If you follow these steps, it'll work out. The gospel is not a conditional. It's phrased as a declaration. God has reconciled the world to himself through the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Very simple. And it's news, not an action plan. Um, and that's finally what distinguishes Christianity from the other religion, which has so many millions of different possible forms. So as we understand good news, a declaration in terms of or in the, the setting of religion, the word judgment, how do we mm -hmm. understand what that good news is in terms of judgment, in terms yeah. of this idea of religion that we've been yeah. talking about? Right. I think it's helpful if you realize that everyone, even if he calls himself spiritual or Hindu or Baptist, is religious. And so what, what it, what's finally going on, because there are only two religions, is that there are only two churches you can belong to, and only one of them saves. The church that is gathered through Jesus's gospel, right? Small catechism called me by the gospel, right? 
The church that is gathered around Jesus's gospel is finally the only one in which there is salvation. And that is not necessarily any one denomination because the gospel can exist uh, in all kinds of places. I, I heard the gospel in the Episcopal Church kind of despite their best efforts, right? Right. Um, so if I had died before, you know, finding out from the Internet about the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, <laughs> I would have been saved. Right. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, uh, Google allowed me to find out about the LCMS. Oh, and didn't thank shadow God ban for it. the Internet. Wow. Right. Yeah. The Internet. Isn't it so amazing? We're all um, blessed because but, of the Internet. That's good. <laughs> but but um, there's only a church of the gospel and then there is uh, a church of the law. And that doesn't have to do with, oh, well, they have rules. Um, it has to do with the way of salvation that is offered, because finally uh, we're saying that human beings want to be saved, either from themselves or other people or whatever they think is wrong. Okay, I have two things now. Uh, I'll get to the first one in a minute. We we okay. want to be saved. Human beings have is like something within us. You're saying that we want to be saved, even if we don't yeah. admit it or or want to yeah. phrase it that way. Well, because because we all have consciences, regardless of what religion we grew up with or didn't, we all realize there's something off, at least, even if we haven't learned to phrase it in moral terms or personal moral terms, gotcha. the way the Bible does, where the, where the Bible says, look, the major problem with your life is you, actually. <laughs> and so you need to repent and believe the gospel. Even if we're not there yet, we just realize there's something off. Something is wrong with the world. What is wrong with people? Yeah. That is where the hunger for salvation comes from. And that's why when Augustine is talking about these things and talking about conversion, he says to the Lord, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Because everybody knows there's something wrong. Not everybody knows what the solution is in Christ. You mentioned that you had heard the gospel in the Episcopal Church, even despite the denomination's efforts, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so for the sake of our listeners, are you saying that uh, someone can be a member of Judaism or Islam and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? They, they, could, they could potentially hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The issue that comes up in mission, and this comes up especially in the Muslim world, but it also comes up if you are evangelizing, um, not necessarily... Um, uh, reform or conservative Jews or secular Jews, but especially Orthodox people that are in a really tight-knit community, is that finally the gospel, when you believe it, and this happened to me as an Episcopalian, so I mean, I understand how this dynamic works, the gospel calls you into some really uncomfortable things necessarily, because you hear the shepherd's voice and the shepherd is calling you to go somewhere else where his word is not perverted, or as in Islam, he is not demoted to merely a prophet. He must be worshipped as a god. And so that is goes along with and is implicit in the gospel. Like, if you're going to hear him, he's going to walk by and say, come, follow me. You will find life in him, but you will find life by losing it. And so you will be called out of false teaching, you will be called out of Islam, you will be called out of Judaism, or whatever it is that could ensnare you and choke the seed of the gospel, you must come out of that. So in our more American setting, now this is a worldwide broadcast, so there could be people in these different populations listening to this, and I pray that yeah. if you are listening out there, that you will you know, take what Dr. Kuntz is saying and, and let that sink, sink in and hit home. You know, 
if you're hearing that, if you are in one of those populations to, to listen to that call and not to reject it. But let's talk about in the American setting where we have a lot of different Christian denominations. Let me tell you, Pastor Kuntz, I'm, uh, you know, I belong to this church body. It's where all my friends are. It's where my family is. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have all the, the right things. I, I've noticed a couple of times my pastor has preached some really bad sermons about social justice and has actually did a series on you know, 10 ways to make my, uh, you know, my bank account balance or something. Um, but, you know, I, I, so I know there's some problems, yeah. but, you know, I can get Jesus there. I, I'm going to get Jesus. So what's the point? Right. Why, why, why rock the boat? Why leave? Why, why look for something more faithful? Is there even something more faithful out there? How, how am I supposed to know? I'm just going to stay put. Right. Because uh, what you're doing when you're saying what you just said is you are deciding for Jesus how much he gets to affect in your life. Ooh. And you're, you're, you're shutting off certain parts of your life and you're saying where I go to church, uh, what uh, I'm told in the sermon, what I believe doesn't need to line up exactly with what you say, Jesus, what you teach, the way of life that you indicate I should follow. Um, I'm willing to go kind of halvesies with you, and you're going to have to compromise a little bit. The issue is that Jesus is not the kind of person uh, who is looking for half of you. Uh, he wants to claim all of you in baptism, and that includes all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. And that creates great uncertainty for you, but the only uncertainty is temporary. Temporarily, I don't know whether I will be martyred one day. Temporarily, I don't know what will happen in the next month because I must be faithful to Jesus. Eternally, I know exactly what will happen. I know he will raise my body from the dead and I will live with him in blessedness forever. So he is asking you to trade those temporary securities for eternal security. Religions of the law offer temporary securities, especially when you're comfortable in them. You grew up Hindu or you grew up Jewish or you grew up Episcopalian. Those are temporary certainties. When he comes back, all those certainties are going to evaporate. And you'll want to only be certain about him. And that, that's what we're calling you to. So are you saying that, I mean, I, and I heard you say this, so uh, I already know the answer. Uh, you, what you didn't say was that the gospel religion is located under a certain nonprofit organization, whatever it is, uh, under a certain banner, under a certain denominational title. You said that it's not under a particular brand, right? Yeah. It's to be found where... Well, well, you tell me, where, where is the, the religion of the gospel to be yeah. found? So, uh, you know, sure. break it down for us. Yeah. Yeah. So the church to which we belong, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, um, certainly has warts. Sometimes the bride is not uh, as beautiful as she might otherwise be. Maybe she needs to lose five or ten pounds. <laughs> uh, things could be better. Okay. Uh, however, the reason that I am a member of the LCMS and not of the Episcopal Church is because I believe the LCMS is committed to the things to which Christ's bride needs to be committed, which is finally simply his teaching in every part, in all of life, uh, from Genesis 1-1 to the last verse of Revelation. If we're not doing that, then I don't really need to be a part of it. 
I'm not committed to it because it's incorporated in the state of Missouri or because uh, my paycheck comes from the seminary. I'm committed to it because I believe it is committed to Jesus's teaching. And if it would stop doing that, then I could stop being part of it. Um, because finally, religion, Jesus's religion is not about where something is incorporated or the buildings. Right. As beautiful as those things ought to be and, and should be and should be more beautiful. Uh, religion is finally about what is taught and it's finally about the news that is pronounced and preached and believed. And uh, that's the, that's what we're committed to in the LCMS. So for the person who feels comfort, we, we talked about someone who feels comfort growing up Episcopal and they, you know, they don't want to leave because the disruption mm -hmm. in their life and the, dr the drama that it would cause for the family mm -hmm. or whatever. But the same is true sure. in house. I mean, we gotta we gotta let this stuff come home to roost, right? Yep. Um, yep. We don't just come to the Lutheran Church because you know Grandpa was part of the Missouri Synod. So I'm saying, <laughs> no, that's not what it's about. It's right. because this is where the gospel right. is, and if the gospel right. is not here, we shouldn't be either, right? No. So no. what do we no. deal no. with? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say. So how do we deal with the idea in all denominations, where you know, thankfully our denomination still as a denomination. Is, is holding to the gospel. But what about for those denominations that um, there's there's good, true teaching in this parish? Or in our case, maybe there's bad teaching in that particular parish. But yeah. you know, how, do we, how does the, the listener deal with those sort of nuances in this, in this real life that we're dealing with where things are muddy and murky? And, right. you know, this, is the, this right. is the church I have access to, not that one. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I certainly understand that because where I come from, there's an LCMS church like every two hours, you know, okay, they, yeah. they're not they're not that widely available. Um, I am. I, God has not set me up as a judge over anyone's life. I think that people have to ask God for wisdom concerning what they should do with their lives right. and be prepared to make sacrifices. They need to understand that um, God will ask the same thing of the LCMS as of any denomination, and that is that it is enough for a servant to be found faithful, not necessarily successful uh, or unsuccessful, but faithful. And therefore, uh, what is being asked of you in your life and of your congregation and of the church body to which it belongs, if there's something bigger, is not... Um, did you do exactly what, you know, some random guy you watched on YouTube or heard on the radio told you to do? It is, uh, are you holding to Jesus's teachings and not just in the parts that you feel you've got down already, uh, but maybe in the parts that you've forgotten about or in the parts that are particularly under assault right now? Luther has a great line about the idea that if we uphold God's word in every area except the part that is most currently under assault, we will have been unfaithful uh, because we were willing to defend everything that was easy and nothing that was hard. So um, I'm not a judge over anyone's life and I understand it takes time and it is painful and things are given up. Um, but what you find on the other side of commitment to Jesus is the certainty of blessedness and an open heaven, which is far better uh, at this time or at the last day than any kind of temporary certainty the world can offer you. That quote from Luther, I've, I've read uh, Francis Schaeffer quoted Luther saying that, but I've never been able to find it. Where is that? <laughs> Come on, help me I out. I don't know. I read it too. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. So maybe it's apocryphal, but, uh, but it's still I don't true. think it is. And it's still true. Yeah. So there you go. That yeah. works. Let's do this real quick uh, just for the sake okay. of the listener. 
What are we talking about when we talk about religion? We're talking about what uh, binds man to God. Uh, and there are only two of them. Um, there's a way that man offers to bind himself to God, and there's a way that God has bound himself to man in Christ. Okay, well, I was going to ask you some more questions, but I think that just, that does it. Right <laughs> That's better. That's better. You made it even more succinct. That, awesome. There you go. Oh, Adam, it's been great having you on the show. We're going to have you on yep. the show uh, in the future for sure, and we'll have you in person in the studio as soon as we get it set up. Um, thank you for your time. Please keep fighting the good fight, and thank you so much for coming to Lutheranism to be a blessing to us and to teach us all uh, what we're dealing with in all different, all these different areas of uh, theology. Thank you very much. And God's blessings. We'll talk to you later. I know you've been listening to cross defense. I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell. And that was a wonderful hour with the Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz. He is the assistant professor of exegetical theology here at Concordia theological seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He is a, one of our foremost experts. He's an amazing teacher. I just got to pump him. I, I had to let, let him go first. So I wouldn't give him a big head, but you know, this guy is amazing. I want to say uh, it's just a privilege to be able to have faculty here at our disposal for the cross defense crowd. Stay tuned. We're going to keep having these guys on the show. You're going to get your own little uh, seminary experience, seminary uh, via, via cross defense here coming up so it's a really exciting thing for me to be able to do thank you very much we'll talk to you next week please remember this is the show where what are we supposed to be doing equipping the mind i think we did that today exciting the imagination and i think that got tackled as well and comforting the soul which is the whole point of the religion of the gospel it is to comfort the soul it is the good news that christ was crucified for the forgiveness of your sins and uh you know it's because we have a fierce foe out there a very fierce foe, and our only defense is Christ on the cross. See you next week, guys. Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.